This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. I went to my wife this week and I asked her her opinion on something. I've learned to do that um, because I've also learned that she's mostly right all the time. So I asked her her opinion. I asked her this question. I go, said, what do you think um, will be the next catastrophic event that we will face? Kind of a weird question, isn't it? And she looks at me and she says, when you make the bed. No. Um, <laughs> She didn't say that. That's a lie. She did not say that. She did not say that. Okay, so we discussed kind of, I want to know her opinion. Is, what do you think we will be facing together? And if I were to ask you that question, we were to go around the room, you would have all kinds of opinions, wouldn't you? It would be this or it would be that. In fact, this is true, isn't it? Isn't it true that in life, people seem to have opinions about everything? <laughs> yes. If you post, it's too hot out. Someone's going to have an opinion that it's too cold out. If you post that we haven't had enough rain, someone's going to be post it's going to be the other thing, right? Or if you're in a conversation, I mean, people seem to have opinions about everything and about every topic. And, you know, honestly, they're just what? Yeah, they're just opinions, you know, and, and uh, it really doesn't matter. So if, if I were to ask you, what's your opinion on the color of the carpet? You know, we're going to be all over the map on that one probably. And uh, if I were to ask you, uh, what's your opinion about coffee? I'm not talking about the coffee out here now. Don't. I know your opinion about that. By the way, there's new coffee coming. Okay, so I promise you that. All right, so yeah, yeah, a brand new brewer has been ordered. It just hasn't arrived yet, and our team's been working very, very hard. So thank you very much for that opinion, um, <laughs> which I happen to agree with, by the way. And so speaking of coffee, some people are like, with coffee, right, my opinion is you've got to add milk or cream to it. And my opinion is then it ain't coffee if you do that right there. So that's my opinion. My mom said, if you're going to drink coffee, drink it like a man, right? So drink it black, right? Okay. So, but I'm just kidding about that. But anyway, so I like people have opinions about everything, and here's the deal. It doesn't really matter, but sometimes it does. Because in some things in life, it's a matter of life and death. And we're going to talk about that today. Our opinions do matter on certain things. So Jesus took an opinion poll of his disciples, you can read about in Matthew chapter six in the gospel, or sixteen and in the Gospels. Jesus took an opinion poll and he, he asked this question: who, who do people say I am? You know, so he's like talking to his disciples and he's going like, like, so what are you hearing out there? You know, what's people's opinion about who I am? You know, and when you're eavesdropping, because I know you eavesdrop on conversations, like, what are you hearing? Right? What are people saying? And the response: Well, some some think you're Elijah, right? Um, some, some think you're John the Baptist, another prophet, you know, one, one of the prophets. And then, and then this follow-up question by Jesus. If you're a Bible reader, you have read this, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Opinions matter. And they can be a matter of life 
and death. I want to talk to you about that today as we continue our series called I Am, where we're exploring the seven I Am statements of Jesus. So if you're brand new with us, this is your first Sunday. First of all, welcome. You're part of this community. I love it. Thank you. I just encourage you to go back a few weeks ago when we started with I Am the Bread of Life. But Jesus makes these proclamations in the book of John. This is what we're looking at over the next number of weeks. I am the bread of life. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Jason talked about I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. We're going to be diving into that today. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. Each of these statements help us understand the ministry of Jesus in the world and why he came. People have all kinds of opinions about Jesus and who he is. But these proclamations, or what I'll just call declarations, by Jesus says, this is who I am. And it's a matter of life and death, eternally speaking, for you and for me, for, 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 for all of us. They help us understand Jesus' ministry on the earth and why he came. Let me take you back to what Mark chapter 2 in the story of the paralytic. Do you remember that? And if you're a Bible reader, if not, maybe it's brand new to you, but Jesus is healing people. And so there was a man paralyzed, and so his friends brought him. When they came up to the place where Jesus was, the place was really, really crowded. So what did they do, right? They go up on top, they dig a hole, and they let the paralytic down through right in front of Jesus. And what is interesting is what happens next. If you're the paralytic, what are you hoping Jesus does? What are you expecting? Just shout it out. Yeah, exactly. Healing, right? Absolutely for sure. And, and, and they lower him down and in front of Jesus, and then Jesus does this. In fact, let, let me just read it to you. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lie. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic in front of him right here, he says this, your sins are forgiven. What do you think the paralytic thought? I came here to be what? Healed, and you forgave my sins. Jesus did heal him. In fact, you remember what happened there? You remember the problem, uh, at least in the minds of the religious people of, of the day? Um, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and they said this. Why does this man speak? speak like that. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And in this act, Jesus is declaring something that's incredibly important. We see it in these I am statements. He is declaring himself as God. Now, what I love about this story is that Jesus deals with, with the greatest need in man's life and in your life and in my life, and that's for our sins to be forgiven. This is why he came. And then he healed the paralytic. They, I am statements link Jesus to the Old Testament revelation of God. And whenever we see them, as I just mentioned, Jesus is identifying himself as God. Jesus and God are one. The Trinity is one God existing in three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that might be something we'll dive into later. But if you can get your head wrapped around that one, and complete understanding of the Trinity, 
we, then we will need to hear from you because I think we probably won't get that one figured out until we're home, home with Jesus. But the Trinity is God existing in, in three persons. Jesus and God are one in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to understand um, that these declarations or these I am proclamations by Jesus um, is this, that he, he's not asking your opinion. And he's not asking my opinion either. He's not asking us. He didn't say like, hey, who do you, who do you think I am? And these he's going like, this is who I am. Let me say it this way. The I am statements that we're exploring that are in the Bible are not up for debate. When Jesus says, I am this, he's not going like, okay, let's take a vote on these. He is saying, this is who I am. And I am God. So, we're asking this question about each one. When Jesus says, I am, how would that change the way that I live? So when we talked about the I am the bread of life, how would that change the way I live as a follower of Jesus, right? I am the light of the world. How would that change? We discussed that in my guys group this past week. So how does that change the way I live? Um, if Jesus is the light of the world and the light in our world and my world, how would that change the way I live? Well, this morning we're going to dive into the third one. I am the door. And it's important that we understand what Jesus is saying because it makes a difference. Here it is. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and go out and find pasture. That seems, does that seem like an odd declaration? <clears throat> Who calls himself a door? Right? But Jesus says, I am the door. Nowadays, what, what do we understand a door to be? A door is a barrier. So at night, you do what? You lock your door, probably, right? Because it's a barrier, it's not going to allow entry, right? You have to have a key to get in the door. You have to have a passcode. You have to have something. No passcode, no entry, no key, no entry. So a, key, a door can be a barrier. Here's Jesus going like, I am the door. And if, if you try to enter a locked door or some, you just might get hurt. What is Jesus saying when he makes his proclamation? I am a door. Years ago, I was over in Yakima, <clears throat> and I was helping with the church conference that we were putting on. And they had a brand new lobby, brand new glass doors, and brand new glass windows right beside the door. And so I, uh, I was unloading some stuff from a van I had out front. So it's kind of like, like a drive-through out there, you know, so I had the, the van parked out front. And um, I, I looked out there, and I headed for the van. And here's what happened. The glass window, it was actually a window beside the door, was so clean. I did what you're thinking right now. Have you ever walked into a door at night where you just, you know, you just hit it flush, right? You just hit it flush because, like, the door is closed and you just ran into it, and that's what I did. And I hit that glass so hard, it just shattered. It stayed put. I just, you know, was, I wasn't really hurt that bad. Um, it was like a no-go. <laughs> it was like a, their brand new lobby. I had just shattered the glass door. While it may seem odd to you and to me today, when Jesus declares himself the door, 
I think it makes sense if we can just step back into culture for just a moment, uh, understand the context that Jesus is saying this, and because it, it has something to do with you and me today, <clears throat> and what we think of him as a door. <clears throat> in in the, uh, Jesus' times, there were two sheep pens, kind of sheep folds that you can just try, try to imagine two kinds of them. One was a, a public um, sheep folder or, or sheep pen where there might be numbers of different um, um, flocks in there, right? So shepherds would bring um, their sheep and they would put them in this public, public pen and they would be in the care of a door, a door keeper whose duty it was to guard the sheep through the night. And then the, the shepherd would come in the morning, and this is kind of cool if you just think about it. the shepherd would call their sheep and, and he would lead them to pasture. So the shepherd would go into this public sheepfold, call his sheep out, they would follow him. The doorkeeper would allow exit of that sheep. The second one was this. And just kind of try to visualize this in your mind for just a second. It's, it's, a, it's a sheep pen or a sheep fold out in the countryside where the sheep herders would have their sheep. So at night, what they would do is they would build kind of a sheep pen or sheep fold, you know, probably out of rocks or these, these type of things. And because there was no door, the shepherd would actually become the door. Picture that in your mind for just a second. They would build the sheep pen, put the sheep in, and the shepherd would become the door. He would guard the sheep. He would keep the sheep in and the wild animals out by lying across the opening. And Jesus says, I am the door. He would sleep there, literally becoming the door to the sheep. Jesus is teaching us, not only is he the shepherd of the sheep, but he's the door to the sheep. What Jesus is teaching us when he declares, I am the door, is incredibly important. It's a matter of life and death for you and for me. John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to share with you today three lessons that we glean from this passage about Jesus' declaration about being the door. And I also want to say it's incredibly, absolutely a matter of life and death. Number one, lesson number one, here it is. You might want to write it down. I am the door, not a door. Say it with me. I am the door, not a door. Remember, this truth is a matter of life and death. Life is only found in Jesus and entry into this life of forgiveness and freedom is only through Jesus, the door. In fact, in John chapter 14, um, Jesus declares this, no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is why 
you have heard me say this, and if you're brand new, this is the first time you've heard me say this, that God is both an inclusive God and an exclusive God all at the same time. Here's what I mean. God is inclusive in that salvation is for all. For God so loved the world. That's you and me. Now say it this way, he died for the whole world, but he died for it one person at a time, you and me. So God is an inclusive God. He says, all who come to me receive forgiveness, salvation, and freedom, and eternity with him. But he's exclusive in the sense that there's only one way to him, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. So he's both inclusive and exclusive all at the same time time. It's not by being a good person. It's not by even doing works in his name. We'll read about that in Matthew chapter 7. It's about faith in Jesus. So Jesus is the door, not a door. Listen to Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 25. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Here it is. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who declares himself as the door. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Jesus is the door, not a door. And maybe you have heard it said this way by somebody. There are many roads up the mountain. No, there are not. Not in terms of a relationship with God the Father. There is only one road, and that's Jesus Christ. It's almost like that game show, in the, in the, it seems like, in the world today. <clears throat> How many remember um, this game show called Let's Make a Deal? How many were addicted to it? No, you're not going to raise your hand, okay? It's like that. So it's like there are three doors, right? And you get to choose which door. Yeah, here it is right here. I'll just show it to you. I know. Some of you were going like, okay, I'll take door number two, right? Door number three, right? You were doing that. So here's the reality. We're not in that position of guessing which is the right door. Because Jesus says, I am the door. If you want to experience freedom in life, Jesus is the door. He's the gateway through trust and faith in him. The first lesson we learn is this. I am the door, not a door. And what's happening in life today, I think, is a lot of people are pushing on a lot of different doors, just finding, trying to find the way, finding, you know, what's the, what's the key to life? Jesus says, the key to life is me. I am the door to a relationship with God the Father. Number two, I am the door, a place of safety. I want you to think about this for a second. As a follower of Jesus, I am the door it's a place of safety for you and for me. In the sheepfold, with the shepherd as the door, 
a place of safety could be experienced all through the night. Or let me say it this way, in the dark moments of your life. And it might not even be at night. But how many know it's true that noises seem louder at night? Yes? I remember that as a kid, like, shut the lights off, go to sleep, like, you hear everything. But we have those dark moments during life, don't we? And it's during these dark moments during life when it's just the noise is really loud. I am the door. It's a place of safety. Think about the sheep in the pen with the shepherd at the door. I love Psalm 4, verse 8. It's a good one. If you're in that place today, um, especially if you're hearing noises that cause fear. Uh, may have been written by David after he spent a night in the midst of danger, and he writes this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's what we can experience as a follower of Jesus. No matter what comes our life, what dark moments or what nighttime might look like for you, we can be at peace in safety because he is the one who is at the door. I, I'm a city boy, so like I have maybe touched a sheep like maybe one time, okay, in my life. Uh, at my aunt's, aunt's farm, may, maybe one time. So I had to do some reading about, about sheep. So I went to this website, familyfarmlivestock.com. It just seemed to me that if you've got a website that name is familyfarmlivestock.com, you know what you're talking about. So anyway, <clears throat> I went there, and here's what I read. Sheep sleep at night in a place where they feel comfortable and safe. Sheep, sheep sleep at night when they feel comfortable and safe. That's the place you and I can be in. Because he's at the door. There's another area of safety, just let me mention it, that some of us might be dealing with. And it's this, and I know, we feel like some of us, we, we've done so much wrong in our life. We just feel like we keep making mistakes and like, how can he love me? Um, doesn't he just kick me out because I keep messing it up? The answer is no. I mean, I keep messing it up and I work harder and harder and I just can't seem to get there. Well, let me say this. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, no one can slip in and steal you away. Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we have been made right with God in, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Nobody can steal you away. We can trust the one who sleeps at the door. So that's lesson number two. Lesson number three, here it is. I am the door to, to an abundant and joyful life. I've said before, like as followers of Jesus, like we should be the most happiest people in the world, we should be experiencing this abundant life that he has brought us into. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Aren't you thankful for the abundant life that a relationship with Jesus and God the Father brings us into? The thief, that is the false shepherd, only cares about feeding himself, not building up the flock. He steals the sheep in order to kill them, thus destroying part of the flock. 
but Christ has come to benefit the sheep. He gives life, which is not constricted, but overflowing. The thief takes life. Christ gives life. I read this, abundantly pertaining to a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more that what one would even expect or anticipate, that which is more than, more than enough, and beyond the norm. So um, let's read that passage this way. I, Jesus, came that you may experience life so considerably more than what you expect or anticipate and is beyond the norm. It's actually more than enough. That's the life that you and I enter into when we enter into a life with Jesus. So I, I want to pray with you today. Here's, here, we're going to pray in three areas. Number one is this. Remember, what we think about who Jesus is is a matter of life and death. First question is, do you trust Jesus? Have you made a personal uh, commitment to him as Lord and Savior? Or are you that one out there, you just like pushing on doors, like I'll take door number one or door number three, and you're just checking out all these different doors. You just, you're searching for life. Have you placed your trust and faith in him? Is Jesus the one that you are trusting in as the door? Number two, has the enemy stolen your peace? You're a follower of Jesus, but has the enemy stolen your peace? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand or even respond. But I'm asking you that question today. Maybe at the nighttime or the dark time, like the enemy has just come in and he's just, just keeps pinging at you. And he's somehow, he's kind of robbed you of the peace that Jesus wants you to live in. And number three is this. Are you living a joyful life in him? So when people see you out on the street, they go like, why are you so happy? It's because you've entered into the abundant life. You've entered into the joyful life that only he can bring you into. In just a moment, we're going to gather around the communion table. But I'm first going to pray with you. And I'm just going to invite you to pray. If you've never received Jesus, to join with me and lift that prayer to him. I've said it before, I keep on saying it. There are no magic words in a certain order. We just pray to trust in Jesus. Say, Father, I want to experience the life. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to experience life that can only be found in you. If you've not made that commitment, you can do it right now as I pray. I want to pray for those who might be in the nighttime. You know, it might be perfectly day, but you're in the nighttime, and the enemy somehow has stolen away what is yours. And that's peace that only he can bring. I want to pray for you. Then I want to pray for those, for all of us, that as we leave today, and people will recognize us as people who are followers of Jesus, who have entered into the abundant life that only he can bring. And they're going to go like, why are you so happy? Well, let me tell you why. And you get the chance to let him know. So let's pray together, shall we? So Father, I thank you today for this declaration, I am the door. And all who enter through you, God, we come into a brand new life. And so if you've never trusted Jesus today, or if you're that one that's pushing on different doors, looking for life, this is your moment. This is your time to say, Jesus, I trust in you, and I place my faith in you. If the enemy has come in, robbed, stolen away, um, you're safe, you're safe place. It's fear, it's worry, it's concern, um, all of that. 
God, would you just remind us that we can lie down and sleep in peace? You're the one that watches over us. You're the one who protects us. And you are the one who never, ever fails. And so with open hands and open hearts, we just release these things to you. Remind us again of that place that we can be in as one of yours. God, as we head out of this place and this week, I just pray that we will all realize the life that you have brought us into, this abundant and joyful life as we live out our purpose in you, as we glorify you, as we give you praise for all that you have done. And God, I just pray that people will see that in us and they'll ask and it will be an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, that you are Lord and you are our Savior, and there is access to a relationship with the Father through you. God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.